Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Dini Talks. I am joined by the big man, Mark, aka Disc. And I feel like under like underrepresented. I'm calling myself a reporter and a presenter. And we've got a legend. <laughs> an absolute legend. No pressure. Yeah. Of presenting and hosting. And genuinely what I wanted to say and get out there, genuinely nice guy. There's not many nice people in the world, and you are a genuinely nice guy. So I'll take that as a huge compliment. Thank yes, you, Troy. Mr. Ben Shepherd. Thank you very much for having me on. No, thank you for, for coming on. So, first of all, I was thinking about this on the way down. How did you get into presenting? Where does that start? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, a, I, I, it's an interesting question because there's no surefire route. Yeah. It's a bit different now because of the advent of podcasts yeah. and snapchat and youtube and social media there's more platforms to mm. be able to to broadcast to people you find your audience and yeah. you start telling them stuff um i was at university in birmingham yeah um and i was studying there and i got a job while i was there working for a small company that made the local weather Okay. So if you get after your national weather, depending on what region yep. you're in in the country, you get local weather as well. So they made the Midlands weather yeah, um, with Charlie Neal and Emma Jessen and Emma Hignett. You might remember I them growing remember up. I do remember all those names, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, then, uh, <laughs> and then they did it for the Welsh regions and also for um, the Southwest. Okay. And it was made in Hockley, just in the jewelry oh, well, quarter. Yeah, yeah, their, yeah. their offices were. Yeah. And I did a job for them with a friend of mine. It was her first acting job. And she's just been in the crown. She was an act. She's an actress, and, oh, and I got her the job. Anyway, I said, "Have you got any jobs going as a runner over the summer?" And basically, a runner within the production world is mm -hmm. is the it's the entry level position. It's yeah. you you the person that does everything. You run around doing whatever, making tea, picking up dry cleaning, painting painting walls, answering phones, mm -hmm. lots and lots of photocopying, paying your dues, paying your dues yeah. just learning the mm -hmm. sort of the the lay of the land. And they said, yeah. And they, they employed me as a runner as part of the weather network and the weather department. They basically made local weather and 24, there was a 24 hour cable channel that had just launched. Uh, I know. Because uh, we were talking about this on a previous podcast. You forget that TV used to stop at one point. Yeah. Like from like 12 till five. Well, and they, and, and they played the national anthem on BBC One. And yeah. my, my, my boys are like, what happened? Did everyone stand up at midnight? And they, <laughs> but yeah, so, so yeah. and then, so the advent of cable and 24 hour mm -hmm. news networks and stuff. This was uh, the mid nineties when I started working there when I was at Birmingham. And, and they were the ones that suggested I try and get into presenting. Mm -hmm. At the time I was studying sort of dance and drama at university. And, and in my head, I think I, I'd planned to maybe go to drama school afterwards and, and okay. get into acting. That was the path I could see. I'd never thought about presenting. And they said, oh, why don't you give it a go? So when we weren't recording in the studio for the local weather, they'd let me go and practice, try and present the weather and try and do different pieces. That must be hard. Really it's just tough. a green screen, right? Yeah, there's yeah. nothing behind them. They're looking at, they're looking at a, a monitor to their right or to their left. And they're pointing, they're pointing, looking at the monitor as to where their hand is. And if you like don't opposites, to yeah, you are, well, yeah. You, some of them are reverse vision, so okay, it will help you. Some of them aren't, so it goes backwards. Yeah. So you know, I those, imagine that pointing somewhere, and it's not even. On and the it's the other way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be in the north, and yeah. it's miles away. So they and 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 it was a producer there called Michelle Ann Carter who mm -hmm. said, "Ben, I think you could try and do this. You should sort of think about getting a showreel together. Showreels like a, a CV, yeah. as yeah, we yeah. would know it, but on tape." And I did that and I applied for a job that was in the back of the stage, which is a trade newspaper mm -hmm. for actors and, and performers. And um, I went along to this audition. I got the chance to go along to this audition. And at that audition was 
um, which ironically was for GMTV's kids show. It was before I worked for GMTV. It was for they they had a weekend kids show called Dig It mm -hmm. or Digging It, and it was for that job. But Andy Peters was there, and at yeah. the time Andy was at ITV and he was just going to Channel Four to launch something called T Four, which was mm -hmm. their yeah. weekend team I brand. That, so I yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you remember that? Based around yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. younger, yeah. a younger yeah. generation. Absolutely, yeah, 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 sort of the teen thing. And Andy, essentially, long story short, Andy, Andy sort of met me and he said, look, I'd like you to come and launch this thing for me on Channel 4. And he gave me my first big break and we're still oh, wow. mates now. And yeah. he's, he's back in front of the camera now. Mm -hmm. People know him from, from various bits and pieces and doing the competitions and things. But he's had a huge influence on my career in terms of giving me my first opportunity. He was the person that saw something, yeah. gave me a chance. And then, and that's sort of, you know, I'm still very lucky to be doing it now no I don't, I don't think you can say you're lucky mate you're one no. of the best around i know you're not going to say it but we'll say it for you you are 100%. one of the best around that's I mean, very nice of you i think with anything and and you'll say this with your football mm. so so there you you will have met hundreds if not thousands of fantastic footballers who are yeah. really really brilliant and you've got it but you've got to be able to have that opportunity someone's got to be looking for you at that point and saying i yeah. give you that chance now you've got to have the skill to be able to back up and, and make the most of that chance that mm -hmm. bit of luck but you still need that little bit of luck yeah i, I agree it's when that door opens you've got to be able to keep your foot in it and go yeah. keep an army but in. i think i always see like look people put luck as this thing i think it's preparation and then the luck finds you maybe so if you've been doing the work before now these opportunities are open. Yeah. You've you seen it over the time. You've you've not really been talking about anything. And then suddenly you meet somebody and now this, oh, actually, I like that. And you end up in there. But that's through preparation, I I feel yeah. anyway. If you're always prepared for something, it'll come. You've got to be ready because cause you can imagine lots of people contact me and say, Ben, how do I get into telly? How do, yeah. I, get, how do yeah. I get into presenting and all that sort of stuff? It's so like, you know, the opportunities are, are there's more opportunity now because of social media, because mm -hmm. of YouTube, because of the Internet. You've just got to get out there and start doing stuff. And hopefully the little bit of luck will be someone spotting you. Yeah. Right. And then you've got to have the skills to back it up. Right. I mean, you talk about your showreel and your CV. I mean, <laughs> that probably speaks for itself now. I mean, you've, yeah. you've, I think you've got to be one of the most hardworking <laughs> presenters around. Because yeah. I think if you look for it, you could probably fill your day with 24 hours of Ben Shepard. <laughs> yeah, you could, you could. I can't yeah. think of anything worse. My <laughs> no, wife would be he like knows, He knows all your catchphrases, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. From, oh, uh, tipping from tipping point. point. Yeah. Tipping point. I was literally yeah. at his house yesterday. yesterday it was his birthday. Was Come on, I've had a cup of tea or whatever. I was watching Tipping Point. Yeah. And he's saying all your catchphrases. I'm like... <laughs> Two things here. One, it's either great research, or B, you spend too much time in front of the TV. I just like tipping point. Yeah, <laughs> we'll take that. That's no bad thing, Mark. Don't Do you know who was on? Jamile was on tipping point as well. Oh, he was? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, one of the lads what? we know from one home was, was actually on it. Yeah, so. How did he get on? I can't remember. I know he got through. I'm not sure if he won the 10 grand or not. Yeah. But he was he was definitely but made it to the that, end. That's going to go. We're going to go, as you realise, this will go everywhere. We'll Brilliant. bring it back. But. How do you continue to reinvent yourself? Mm. So you go, you do tipping point. That's been going what, ten years. I said yeah. ten. I was nearly nine. thirteen. Actually, no, nearly thirteen. It's twenty twelve oh, wow. we started. Oh wow, that's mm. crazy. That's a, that's a long old time. Yeah. It is. Yeah, um, didn't realise it was that long. So then, but then you do that, and then you do <clears> Good Morning Britain. Then you might do I've saw you Pride of Birmingham. All these other different. You was at uh, Hal Parry as well yeah. recently. So, where is the not the drive, because that's obviously something in you, but where's the, the reinvention? As you say, there's so many different things now with YouTube, with the podcast. Yeah. Where's that desire to keep reinventing yourself? I think, so I think, so the interesting thing is uh, when you ask somebody 
do you just do one thing? Do you just do news mm-hmm. and current affairs, which is the breakfast show they do? Do you just do quiz and game shows, which mm-hmm. is would be tipping point? Do you just do sport? I went to Sky and worked yeah. with Cami at Sky Sports for yeah. a very long time. Um, Ninja Warriors. Well. When we do Ninja, yeah. it's a great, yeah, big entertainment shows. I've been incredibly lucky that I've been able to do all sorts of different things. And, and a few people in the past have said to me, you know, if you really want to excel at something, you've got to focus. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of of what you're asking is how do I reinvent myself? I don't purposely go out to reinvent myself. I just think as a person, I'm interested in all those things. Okay. I really love news, politics, and current affairs. I love my sport, as you mm-hmm. know, I'm a big football, rugby fan, any yeah. sport. I will, I will voraciously consume sport. It drives my wife mad. <laughs> She's like, what are you watching Aussie rules for, for goodness sake? I mean, I, and I will literally yeah. have to have something on. Um, entertainment shows. I'm fascinated by television. I'm fascinated. And I think having that enthusiasm and uh, passion and inquisitiveness Mm -hmm. for life and for opportunity, I think is what has allowed me to, to try my hand at various Mm -hmm. different genres. And it feels like, you know, if I started working in about 2000, 99, 2000, Andy gave me my first job and I'm still here. None of that has been a a journey that I've charted. I've not gone right. I'm going to start in youth TV then I'm going to get a break and I'm going to do a bit of entertainment TV on on a current affairs show. Then I'm going to host that show and then that's going to lead me to sport. And then Mm -hmm. that's going to, none of that has been planned or charted, but along the route, I think opportunities arise and you start making decisions as to whether you feel like that's a good fit. Yeah. And as long as it feels like it's a good fit, Mm-hmm. and um, I'm going to enjoy it and I feel like I can bring something to it and most importantly I'm going to learn something from it Okay. then then because that's hugely important for mm-hmm. me like feeling like I'm learning because if I'm learning I feel like I'm having to push myself yeah yeah. then I've been able to somehow sort of go cross genre and, and, and try all these things which sometimes might look like I've reinvented myself I'm still the same person I was I've mm-hmm. just got a bit more experience but mm-hmm. all of those elements are me as a person every day sport news well, I, yeah first, i think yeah. i think i did your disservice by saying reinvent yourself because i think nowhere near to the level yeah i hope one day it can be but i think that's similarly with me because people put you in a pigeonhole don't yeah. they yeah. Yeah. yeah oh well you you do the present whatever that person or individual watches you doing that's what they associate you with mm. and we speak about loads of most people wouldn't know half the things i do of course i enjoy listening to books I had mm. one on in the car in a few weeks back and he was like Mate. sending me to sleep on his sleep I don't I enjoy music in a short dose yeah. I enjoy listening to books because I don't have the time to sit and read a I'm book so yeah. when you get into that uh, when people try to put you in this certain wheelhouse and you go actually no I've got all these different mm. facets I think that's what was really uh, you know enjoyable for me to see through not only through the research but watching as well uh, yeah well I mean I, I any opportunity that I have um is something that i will look at very carefully and Mm. nine times out of ten i'll grab with both hands and think this could be great fun Mm. what have i got to lose but just going back to what what mark said how do you where's the drive because it might be a disrespectful you're nearly 50. yeah oh sorry to say that one in mind sorry do you know i think this might be the first time i've been interviewed and someone said that (laughs) yes i'll take that as a positive sorry but i was gonna say nearly 50. i am looking very healthy thank you Clearly work out. I've saw the, the chest poking through the, the shirt. <laughs> so where was, do you know what I'm saying by that is where was the desire to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing the work ethic? I think, well, I have a very short attention uh, span and 
left to my own devices, I just get into trouble. <laughs> I was, as a kid, it was always the way. So if I keep myself busy, okay. I can keep myself motivated. If I keep myself motivated, I feel like I'm achieving things. Oh, okay. I've got two boys. Yeah. You know, Sam's going to be 18 this year and Jack's 16. Um, I want to set an example for them. Yeah. I want to try and sort of show them that it doesn't matter what it is that you want to do. If you're passionate about it, mm -hmm. you can go and uh, explore all sorts of different exciting things and, and stay busy. I'm definitely better when I'm busy. If you ask my wife, the yeah. last thing she needs is me not doing anything because I drive her absolutely mad. <laughs> I've got to fill my day yeah. with as many things as possible. Um, and I think as well, I had two incredibly hardworking parents, particularly. Yeah. You know, my, my, my parents are from the Midlands. Mm -hmm. My dad was sort of Harborn, born and brought up in Harborn and, you know, very working class family, work, went to night school to do his qualifications to start working as an accountant. My mum was a nurse and did qualifications to be a teacher as well. When eventually they moved down to London, mm -hmm. which is when I was born, my mum was working two jobs. Uh, my dad worked really, really hard um, uh, to, 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 to give me, my brother and my sister, the opportunity that we got, which was go to good schools. Yeah. And then the expectation was that we would, you know, honor the fact that they worked really hard by doing the best we could. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that has really set the standard for yeah. me. You know, I, I know what hard work is and, and I thrive in that sort of environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's I mean, pushing I, the legacy yeah. as well, isn't it? Continuing that legacy, that yeah. family legacy that you've seen. Well, and just, you know, it's, a, it's about, you know, I see the value in in what my parents taught me mm -hmm. um with regards to l looking after people around you working really really hard mm -hmm. being respectful being polite standing up for yourself yeah um taking advantage of an opportunity that's placed in front of you as well mm -hmm. um and you know it's 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 i see my boy i mean this is the interesting thing you've got mark you've got kids yeah i've got a daughter yeah, you've nine got a daughter old. and you suddenly you know there's a there's an evaluation that happens there you've got your kids yeah. joy and you kind of think what am i what actually what am i sharing it was the most important thing mm -hmm. that happened to me and my wife up till then was was having sam as our first you know what am i going to leave them with what am i what am i showing them what am mm -hmm. i um guiding them what are the principles of me as a father mm -hmm. and i want them to have a really hard working ethic and yeah. don't get me wrong my boys have had a much uh, sort of more comfortable lifestyle mm -hmm. than i had i had a much more comfortable lifestyle than my parents had of course they had a more comfortable lifestyle than their parents had i mean mm -hmm. that's that's the graduation within my family mm -hmm. But what I don't want is my boys to think that just because they've had a comfortable lifestyle, they don't have to work really, really yeah. hard mm -hmm. and take advantage of that. Yeah. And, and I think that's maybe that's ingrained in me. I don't know. Is yeah. that a, it's, a no, it's, it's a great it's a great trait. I think the best part about that or the, the jewel out of that is it, it's not monetary what you're talking about. No. I think in mm -hmm. a new world of what do you have? What does it look like? How much of it have you got? Actually, the fundamentals are the, the foundations of who you are. We speak about it a lot, don't we, in terms of parenting, like, what what are you say, what are we showing our kids? What do we want our kids to look like? Because as you just said, it's a, it's an evolution mm. of your of your family name, and I, I take that personally, like really really personal that responsibility. Yeah. But like, I feel like, and I'm sure that you feel the same. I want I want my boys to be interesting, but mm. interested people. I want them to yes. be interested in life and experience, and I want them to be able to wake up with a smile on their face mm -hmm. and feel like. Um, you know, feel like there's an opportunity and be optimistic mm -hmm. about yeah. what's in, in front of them um, because it's tough and they're bombarded with, with messages these days. I think you've just dropped a great bit of knowledge on everyone there. <laughs> you know, like your background where you've come from with hardworking parents, like fundamentally as humans, that's what you want. 
You mm-hmm. want your kids to see and show and do. And if you set that trend, then you obviously got the right things coming through for your kids. Yeah, hopefully. And mm-hmm. obviously that's what, you know, 90% of the world mm-hmm. actually wants. You'd, so. you'd be surprised how many are learning on the job and but instead of identifying that they're learning on the job like we all are as parents mm. no mm. one's got it mm. figured out yeah, if we did we'd selling loads of books oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, i think people don't identify that they're learning yeah. and they try and say this is how it is and i've got it figured out instead of going on that journey with their children and yeah. in life with their partners or whoever it might be i it's fascinating now for me because my boys are 18 and 16 and I think back to my relationship with my dad when I was that age mm-hmm. and I, it was not good, yeah. not for any reason. And this is, we were, we were from different, we just, we just, I'm much more like my mum. Yeah. My dad was very regimented and very focused and very organized and very mm-hmm. disciplined. And I was all over the show. I was yeah. sort of just more about just do things spontaneously. I mean, really, really clashed. And for a number of years, I couldn't work out why he was making my life so difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, as a father of teenagers now i and even before that i absolutely see what he was trying to do he mm. was trying to help me understand that if you do the fundamentals right well, everything mm. else is so much easier yeah prepare this bit here and that bit over there will fall into place mm-hmm. and i couldn't see that as a teenager i thought i knew best you only see it as a parent don't oh you? Yeah. my dad and i just like i've said it to him on a number <clears> of occasions <throat> I, i've apologized so many times for being such an idiot <laughs> uh, and, and making you know yeah. and, and that and i and i say it to my boys now particularly sort of my youngest who is a lot more like me my eldest is very like my wife in terms of sort of his his focus and all that mm-hmm. but i just say jack you want to make your life as easy as possible there are battles worth fighting and there yeah. are and you will have had that in football i'm sure Definitely. you've had it mark as well yeah, there are things that are worth fighting for and standing up for yourself and there's others where you've just got to go you know what you're right i've got that wrong mm-hmm. yeah and and when you if you can learn to pick those battles that will help guide you in will. a much smoother mm-hmm. Traject- sort of- yeah and in your life the trajectory would just keep going because so. if you're considered mm-hmm. to be troublesome or argumentative i'll just stay away from that yeah person. it follows you around doesn't it i it totally agree yeah i'm in the process of changing that aren't i a lot of <laughs> my early years, I struggle with <laughs> yeah a lot of my earlier years was considered that yeah because I'm outspoken and i speak that's not considered as cr- criticism that's considered as argumentative troublesome it's like actually no I still want to win. I just have a different way of doing mm. it to you. But if our end goal aligns, none of us are actually wrong. Yeah. But yeah, in a different mm. world. Because you, so you two were at school together. Were yeah, he's, he's a little bit older than me. Years couple older. years older than me. Yeah. yeah. So I I was fortunate enough that all my friends are older than me. I'm the youngest. Right. So he was actually a better footballer than me. Believe it or not. <laughs> None Co- more. A couple of cruciates later. He's, uh, uh, and I've been there. Yeah, he's in a bad... He's... That's the professional sportsman's injury, by the way. Yeah. The oh, I've done it twice. Done yeah, it twice as well. <laughs> but both, both, uh, both operations on it. So what yeah. was he like then? Because Younger. Know, we, we, know, oh. we know Troy from mm. the personality, and I've been lucky enough to interview yeah. Troy on a number of occasions and got to know him, and he's a great guy. But the, the, the Troy that people see on, on playing football and how he plays yeah. football... Was he like that as a as a youngster? To be honest, one of the first one of the first times Troy was around at training, um, and I hate this story because <laughs> it shows how bad like we are as humans, like not as humans, but in terms of our our end goals for training, I'd say. So we're having to run around, and we was training on like a concrete pitch, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Do you remember it? Sheldon Heath. Yeah, just a Sheldon Heath school. It wasn't. Yeah. 
was there anything good? No, yeah, just, just a normal, yeah. normal yeah, yeah. Saturday side. No, so, so we're running around the, the facilities were all like you know, the old tarmac with the little bits of stone and yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it no good to play football on. Yeah. So we're training on there uh, for the Saturday team, Charlestown, and he's the youngest in the side at the minute. I'm probably like the second youngest, so I'm like 18, he's 16 coming yeah. in. So it's like, Mark, you get older, Troy introduce him to like men's football kind of thing right so we start off have a little lap around the pitch he's started off like a absolute mob <laughs> sprinting <laughs> round yeah, yeah, yeah. he's come around to lapping us i'm like mate you need to slow down we look we look bad here like lads ain't we're not built for this like and he's like oh, yeah i want to show what i can do i want to play like yeah fair enough do that on the training like when we're actually playing football he's carrying on he's doing it again i'm like mate Seriously, you're going to get yourself in trouble in a minute. As soon as you start playing, you're going to get booted. He starts playing. He's playing in like, I remember it, like some green and white Nike dunks. Yeah. Got a basketball vest on. He's like completely not ready for football, but he's he's running rings around us and it's like, and to be fair, he was a centre mid at the time, weren't he? Mm -hmm. he, he weren't a striker. Yeah. He's had to develop yeah. becoming a striker. But he was a he was just a live wire. Like he, you couldn't you couldn't tell him anything. That youth, the energy of the mm -hmm. youth. And that's no how he fear. was. Yeah, no fear. Didn't care about being in men's football, got kicked for a pillar to post. And he'd do the same. Like Just take it. You'd yeah. see him absolutely smash him like grown men at 16. It's like, but yeah, we've got a player here. Yeah. And yeah. then obviously he went on to Warsaw. And but do you know what it was for me? There's though, a story. Which was, was really interesting. It was, it was actually fear that was driving that. Wanting to be accepted by them because they're all older than me. So he was driving. He had a nice McGann at the time. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Lovely began the few of the older lads were driving yeah. like BMWs and whatever. I, I had to go meet at the McDonald's. I couldn't even there was times you would buy me McDonald's. Yeah. I couldn't even afford the McDonald's breakfast that everyone would have a was it one pound fifty or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't afford that. So the fear of if I'm not really, really good, they'll just get rid of me. They won't and be interested. My in. my luxury was I get to hang around with these, I get to sit in their car, I get to listen to the music. Cause we never had a stereo in my mum's car. They had stereos and, you know, back in there, you could yeah, take the faces yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, I just wanted to be around. It was the fear that was driving that. And, um, yeah, it, it, we spoke about it on your on your podcast. It's very much like that still, that fear now of what are you going to do? Because like you, when this stops, oh, wow, there's time. There's Do I, do I want to go to the gym? Do I need to go to the gym? And Have I done enough gym in my life? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and we know a few footballers, don't we, that... Uh, around and you see the, the belly come but it's they all they all say the same thing i only took three months off of traveling because we did it doing it for 20 years mm. and then you can't get back into it because so uh, I, I i still fear that i still love it i still want to drive but like you i find that everybody can teach me something yes the sound mm. engineers the cameraman whoever what do you do what, what why why did you do that how did you do that and you know it annoys him because he's very much... Do you know, it don't annoy me. I'm just not vocal with it. Like, I want to know, but there's certain ways I don't know how to ask a question. Mm -hmm. So I'll just I'll just listen. I'll just listen and take in yeah. bits of knowledge. And I think if that can get me... If I can take a little bit of knowledge of them, a little bit of knowledge of them, it's going to make me a better person. Mm -hmm. yeah. Even though I might not be able to have a bit of input on that conversation yeah. at the time, I can use it in my everyday life and bring it into I think fruition. That, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Sort of listening is the most powerful thing. Mm -hmm. But the, the fear thing... 
unquestionably is such a, you know, in a competitive world that you mm -hmm. exist in, in the world of football. We all do though. But Life's exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sort of saying in the world of telly, which is incredibly mm -hmm. competitive as well, there's always someone younger, there's always someone yeah. newer, there's always someone a bit sexier, there's always yeah. someone a bit faster, there's always someone a bit cooler, there's always someone a bit funnier, there's always someone a bit more hard hitting or whatever it might be. That fear is, is, is a key driver. And even you've been a professional footballer how long? 17 years. 17 now. years. Yeah. And it's still driving you now to want to keep playing as mm -hmm. long as you can. I've been working in television for, for 23 years, which seems wow. extraordinary. But there's still that thing in the back of my head that says, you know, what what happens if you, you're only as good as your last link. Of course. You're only as yep. good as your yep. last show. Yes. So you, I want every show I do to be the best it can be mm. or to have, to have delivered on it. So when someone looks at it, they kind of go, great, he still has a huge value to yeah. lend to whatever that is. And 23 years down the line, I might have more experience, mm -hmm. but I've still got that voice in the back of my head saying, was that good enough? What could you yeah. have done differently? What can mm. you do differently next time? What do they think about it? How would they react to it? What can I learn? Do you know with, you know with footballers, like obviously they get to a certain age and they think like, oh, younger player's coming in. Um, he's going to overtake my position. Do you get that fear of that being in the TV world? Um, I think it's really, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pertinent allergy, isn't it? An allergy, allergy, maybe it's an allergy. <laughs> uh, but, but the idea that there's going to be young people coming in who are going to be trying, undoubtedly there are people that are going to come in with enthusiasm mm -hmm. and passion like I did when I started. Yeah. I don't think mine's any, I'm not any less passionate. I don't think, I'm, I'm certainly, I certainly feel, Mark, that at 48, not quite 50, <laughs> but, at, but, at, but at, I certainly feel at 48 less threatened yeah. by that yes. and more sort of open to the idea of sharing my experience. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were talking about with you with the youngsters at Birmingham yeah. City right now. I can see the value that there is for me to be able to share what I've been through with some young broadcast journalists who come into Good Morning Britain, for example, or yeah. the young people on the team that make Tipping Point or Ninja or whatever yeah, yeah. it might be. And I really enjoy that. I get a great deal of gratification from that. I think they keep me on my toes as well. Yeah, I'm not sure it's fear. I wouldn't necessarily classify it as fear, but I'd sort of say it's like, you know, their enthusiasm, their keenness mm -hmm. to get a chance sort of, you know, keeps me sharp. Keeps you honest, yeah. Like it would in training for you. It's kind mm -hmm. of like, you know, you want, as you were saying to us, you know, there's youngsters coming into the team at whatever teams you've been in. You're not going to give them your place, no. right? Mm. You're going to welcome them in. You're going to offer them advice. But if you want my place, you've got to win it off me. You've got to prove yeah. that you have the skill yeah. uh, to take that. And also, it's ultimately going into a younger world, isn't it? Everyone thinks, you know, oh, YouTube now, so we need a. A twenty-year-old, totally. We've yeah, got a yeah, podcast. Absolutely. We need a twenty-five-year-old. Well, you take you take the audience and you look at the demographic of the audience, mm -hmm. and then you kind of go, "Well, who are these people that this audience are interested mm -hmm. in?" The other thing you can do now, which you certainly couldn't do when I started so easily, is you can you can break down, you can find the audience, you can break yeah, them yeah, down, and you can work yeah. out what it is that they're interested in, and you can almost literally. I mean, it happens all the time. You look at advertisers, yes, certainly online or with Instagrammers and and what have you. You literally go. Well, this person appeals directly to that demographic. We want to advertise that to those. That, let's get that person to advertise it. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, you know, that's how it works. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I don't teach you that at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or fortunately, if you run a brand, mm -hmm. I mean, it can be, it, you know, that's incredibly compelling, isn't it? We can, yeah. go, we can mm -hmm. get exactly the right person to advertise our product to exactly the right audience. And hopefully that will be successful. I was just thinking, you know, in regards to that, we talk about younger people, but I, I see, and I'll keep it away from, Personal, but like talk sport for example 
and I've I've been vocal about this. I was there. Mm. I enjoyed my time in the airport. It was great as a show. It was it was really enjoyable. I felt that towards the end it became we need to make clickbait. We need to make the socials go big. We need to get the YouTube responses. How have you managed to still do Good Morning Britain and never have a Piers Morgan type moment? What I mean by that is where he walks off the set or where he's having a back and forth, where you still have an honest, open debate that is allowing for the other person to speak. I, d I think from my perspective, you know, there so are... So there's other people, not just Piers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, you know, but but Piers is, Piers is a broadcaster and, and a brilliant broadcaster mm -hmm. and, and sort of hugely influential in his field. But that's what Piers does, right? Yeah. Piers is that sort of broadcaster. Um, always has been and 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 nobody does it like yeah. Piers does it the 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 talk sport as a brand has always been an outspoken yeah. uh loud football sports based broadcasting mm -hmm. channel where they want people to get involved and they want a fiery debate because um that's what their listeners want yeah. you know yeah. and and they do it brilliantly mm -hmm. um for me i've sort of you know i think i think that my perspective on on broadcasting and how i how i conduct myself is that firstly i've only ever my the driver when i'm doing an interview is i'm much more interested in what that person's got to say mm -hmm. than what i've got to say so all of my questioning is about learning from the person that i'm interviewing doesn't mean it can't get heated yeah, yeah. because I will always put the opposite argument. I will always try and put the opposite argument of whatever it is they're talking about. Mm -hmm. But I'd always try and do it in a in a in a style which sort of means that um you know we're not getting lost in in the in the drama and the argument and actually things mm -hmm. are still being heard. Yeah. Um I, d I don't know whether that's something that I've set out specifically to do or that's just who I am. Okay. You know, I think yeah. authenticity is hugely important. Mm -hmm. in, in if, if any, one of the things you say to young people who are trying to get into the business, how do I do it? Get into the business. <laughs> Sound like an empresario. <laughs> but uh, how do I do it? I said, just be yourself. As long yeah. as you can be, if you're being honest mm -hmm. to yourself and who you are, that will come across on the screen. I think one of the best compliments my brother ever paid me, and he doesn't, often uh, but years ago someone said oh i've seen your brother on television when i first started i said yeah do you know what the best thing is that's exactly what he's like in real life yeah there's no difference between those two people yeah so the person you meet on the street is the same person that's chatting to you guys now on your podcast yeah, yeah. Um, that's brilliant that, that know, is and, wonderful. That, and that's that's something that i've always tried to do is yeah. is be myself and i'm you know i think i've just I've got two teenage boys. I can have plenty of Barneys with them at home. I don't need to. <laughs> I don't need to do it elsewhere. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you keep the professionalism with Good Morning Britain? Because obviously, you'll have guests on there that you'll have your own personal view of certain situations. How do you stay impartial to the argument that they're presenting or the topic that yeah, they're on there for? It, I think it's really interesting that because because um, uh, personality-led and opinion-led broadcasting is a much more prevalent thing these days i've learned my trade on good morning britain starting at gmtv working for, with some incredible journalists uh john stapleton penny smith fiona phillips working alongside lorraine kate garraway mm -hmm. for many many years now Susanna uh reed and charlotte and ranveer but certainly in those early years the people i learned from were journalists that had learned that even if the perspective of the person is sharing isn't your 
point of view, they still have a, a they still should have the opportunity to share it. And mm. my what my job then is is to put the opposite side of that yeah. mm -hmm. and get them to answer those questions. Um, so I've always been able to, I've always been able to um, sort of listen to somebody with an opinion that that's not mine and then ask a yeah. question about it equally. I've been able to listen to somebody who has the same opinion of me and put the opposite argument to them as well. Yeah. I think people, it's very easy on social media for people to jump down your throat and, yeah. a, and, and assume that a question is an opinion. Yeah. So yeah. if I ask yeah, yeah. a question of somebody, that's that true. must mean that's what I believe. It's yeah. not at all. Mm -hmm. I'm just asking the question because that's the pertinent question at this point in this interview to the subject matter mm -hmm. that they're discussing. That's very true because that's one thing I can take away from this now, listening yeah. to that. Yeah. Because uh, I've always assumed like if yeah. somebody's asking a question, oh, is that what they believe then? No. no. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, don't get me wrong, there'll be occasions when you can, when that is apparent and mm -hmm. that is what they think and that's fine. But in a in in my take on it is always i'm going to ask the question that elicits the 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 response that our viewers need to hear yeah. about this subject whether i believe in that or not yeah don't confuse my questions for yeah. opinions yeah guys this is one thing because you do post and you keep it very professional what does ben do for fun <laughs> uh play Gym. a lot of golf <laughs> gym go yeah. to the gym i really enjoy the gym my, you know, my eldest particularly has really got into the gym so i'm oh, just yeah. trying to stay stronger than my 18 year old <laughs> who is already taller than me oh, and okay. he is absolutely cut and it just drives me mad because he just looks at me my both my boys are taller than me now oh, okay and they come past they pat me on the head they're right down oh. there uh so spending time with them spending time with my mates my my i love my job as well yeah right so actually this doesn't really feel like work yeah. yeah so i can i can enjoy that part mm -hmm. of 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 my life um but sport is a huge release you just skip past me. golf what do you play off i've just been cut i'm off 10 now it's not bad it's no good. it should be, be to be fair though joy the amount i play it should be better <laughs> i mean i'm really i was listening to tony belly on a podcast the other week and he said he's got a world-class practice swing yes and then you put the ball in front of the club <laughs> and he plays like an absolute lunatic yeah. and i'm exactly the same like if if my my practice swing is single figures, yeah, no handicap. <laughs> but my actual swing is just hopeless. His favourite one is having two balls. He lit his first tee shot. He'd go off over there and he lit another one. And he's like, why didn't I just do that the first yeah. time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He Every loves time. dropping that. My one. mate, let's see. Every if time. only we had a second serve like they're doing yeah. tennis. Exactly. Your second shot is always the one, right? Yeah. Do you know what it is for me that nobody play you play the nicer courses. It's all tight and narrow. I'm better on them. When we go to places that are open and I go, oh, I can bout this. <laughs> You get it carried just, away? Yeah, it just all What are you playing off? I am a 14. I should, similar to you, should be a lot less. Um, when I play regularly, probably about 12. Right. But I haven't had it carded in a long time. And I'm going to say, really, in this time, I'm sorry I had this for a while. I have one in the house, a golf simulator in the house. Nice. But um, I don't even play that. Ugh. I just haven't got the time. Well, not haven't got the time. I'm not making the time. You've got to get moment. on it. Yeah. What about you? Do you play, Mark? Oh, mate, you don't want to see me play. <laughs> he has got... <laughs> The longest to short to shortest five iron you've ever seen. So we could hit a five iron ninety it's to one hundred and fifty yards. It just, <laughs> it's a go-to club. It goes anywhere. More right around the green, but anything else yeah. where yeah. I'm struggling. You've got it's one of those sports that I think it's an amazing sport for so mm -hmm. many reasons. One of my really good friends, Pete Cohen, who is a life coach, he takes a lot of his clients, sportsmen, onto the golf course because it's such the mental battle in golf oh, is yeah. so much tougher than the, 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 the playing golf itself, the, the physical. I, I say it every single time, so you know, that first tee, tee box, wherever you are, if there is more than the people I'm already with, the four watching, 
I crumble. <laughs> but I can take a penalty in front of 80,000 yeah. people. No problem. But put four random strangers <laughs> just at the side yeah. who don't know me, don't care. Never going to see them again. Just want to get up and tea. And, and by it. the way, have all played bad shots like that as oh, well. Of course, I say yeah. it to my friends and my parents particularly. I say it to my boys. I yeah. love playing golf with my boys. <laughs> And, and I'm like, look, you've got to remember, everybody that's playing golf has been awful and then they've got better. Mm -hmm. Right, so everyone's played bad shots. The tee shot with nobody, with people watching, that is probably up there for the most awkward thing ever. Oh, yeah. It's like being in a lift with a stranger. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> you know I would go one further than that on the golf course. When somebody allows you to play through. Oh, yeah. Pressure. <laughs> whatever shot is coming, the next two shots are garbage. She's got to apologise to him yeah. straight away. Do you know that I, do, I, just, I just had a flashback to being on holiday with my eldest, Sam, in Cyprus. And we were playing golf. And uh, this this four ball in front of us, only two of us, offered us to play through. And I was more nervous. Like, he's he's a he's a decent golf, golf yeah. uh, plays off about 22, but can hit the ball a long way. He's really tall. But like all of us can shank it. Yeah. Uh, and I was more nervous for him playing his shot through. Like, I didn't think about my shot, yeah, so yeah. I hit a really nice shot because I wasn't thinking about it. He hit the most beautiful shot through this four ball of Germans. I was so proud. It was like my proudest moment. I almost wanted to shake all their hands and say, did you see that? That's like, it's ridiculous. It was one golf in a round yeah. of what, 80, one shot in a round of 85, 90, 100 shots or whatever it was. I still think about it now. No, it's world class. When you get that clap off a stranger, oh, shot, oh, mate, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah. That, you walk off with a biggie smile thinking, you ain't going to see my next one, so mate. Sad. <laughs> we're so sad. We're so sad. You could have took six to get there. Yeah. And you go, oh, shot mate it's someone going past thanks mate. Th yeah, thanks yeah, bro yeah. that's all it's worth for that's all I want is that one shot makes that round of Keeps 18 yeah, that, that, perfect exactly makes you come back but I do think as well for for, for men I'm, I'm not going to speak to women because I don't know that but for men it's a wonderful place to go play A you get the aggression because you competitive nature you want to win but that freedom of being out and walking a golf course mm. is great for your mental health yeah. I, I personally feel <clears throat> three four hours with your mates and it just having yeah. a but there's, a not, chat. there's not anything weird or wonderful with it. It's just, let's go play. Mm. Let's have a good time. Someone's got to cheat. There's always someone to cheat. <laughs> just in, in the four. It's this tricky game, isn't it? I, but the other the thing for me as well, if you want to play golf, you play golf well, you can't play golf well when your head's all over the show. If you're thinking about those yes. other things. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. You know, you've got to be focused on that. So it's actually a bit of meditation as well. Because mm -hmm. my mind works at a million miles an hour. I've got a million different things going on at the same time. If I'm on the golf course, as I step up to the ball to hit it, I mean, I've got 85 checks of what I'm going to do. Yeah, where's my yeah, weight? Yeah. Where's my grip? Where's my hand? And all that sort of, but it's all about that golf ball. So I find it sort of, I mean, conversely, despite the pressure and stress I put myself through, a really relaxing thing yeah. to do just because it means I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about other mm -hmm. stuff that's going on. Yeah. Um, I'm just focused in the moment. It's the fascinating. Have you watched Full Swing? Have you watched the... That's, it's on the list of the favourites. It's just amazing. You're looking at Brutz Kepka. Mm-hmm who for three or four years was absolutely bulletproof, yeah. won everything going and he can't, and now all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah. And it's just, it's fascinating watching these world-class mm -hmm. major winners talking about their golf yeah. in, in the same way. You kind of think, Why, how, how am I not getting that? And there yeah. is mm -hmm. such an extraordinary it's, sport. It's, it's a minute details, isn't it? It's such it? a dangerous sport as well. Cause you can go out, play one game and think, oh, I can go buy some new clubs now. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this. Yeah, yeah. then the next week, then clubs. No, it's a humbling no sport. <laughs> yeah, you know, we talk about games. Uh, this all kind of ties in quite nicely. So have you ever, this is something we were talking about yesterday, wasn't it? Have mm. you ever done a show, tipping, let's use tipping point. Yeah. And the people on there have just been awful. And you've had to kind of like 
guide them through it to get this show going. There's no personality that might not know all the answers. Whatever it might be, and you go, this is going to be an awful show. I think that... Um... There's, there's, so, so one of the really crucial things with something like Tipping Point, the, you can imagine we've made over 1,500 shows, mm. been going for 10 or 11 years now. The team that make it are absolutely brilliant. So for a quiz show or a, a big game show, then um, it's the, the, the contestants are cast. Mm -hmm. So they have to go through a series yep. of, of interviews before they get it. So usually oh, by okay. the time they get to that part of the show where I'm there and we're recording, that doesn't necessarily happen. Okay. I, but pressure is an interesting thing because yes. people will go to pieces when is they're under a, a bit audience? of pressure. In the the celebrity versions, yeah, yeah. we have a live audience. Okay. We didn't during COVID, but we do four a day. So the turnover is quite okay. a lot. But you see these people that come in that have done brilliantly and all of a sudden the camera lights on mm -hmm. and that completely changes. That's when I know that I'm going to have to help them along the way. The thing for me with, with Tipping Point, which is so extraordinary, and people say, oh, do you, does it not get tiring doing the same thing over and over again? It just never does, because for those contestants that come in, it's their one and only chance, usually, yeah, yeah. that they're going to get to play this machine that they've watched. So I want them to have the best time they can have, because I know mm -hmm. if they're having a good time, we will get a great show. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I can't answer the questions for them, yeah, much yeah. as sometimes I'd really love to be able to help, <laughs> help them. I can't tell them where to put the counter. Yeah. I can't tell them when to release it unless they're really hopeless yeah, yeah. and I get exasperated. <laughs> but I can try and make them feel as relaxed as possible. Mm -hmm. I think if we ever got to the point where there was a show where everything was falling apart and people weren't speaking, then I wouldn't have been doing my job because they would feel so uncomfortable Yeah, they weren't relaxed. I think that's one of the really key things. Whatever we do, um, the podcast is a great mm -hmm. example or um, uh, Tipping Point or Good Morning Britain or whatever it is, the guests we have on, we want them to feel relaxed because we want them to tell their story. Yeah. Yes. And telling their story is, is 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 so important that they feel like they can, they know what they feel comfortable answering questions that can be quite personal and quite mm -hmm. difficult. Um, you know, I, undoubtedly there's been moments where things have gone wrong. Yeah. Tend to be more technical things oh, okay. than guests and thing and, and elements like that. So I'm not sure we've done I'm not sure there's a show necessarily that's sort of that's come off the rails and there's no way of getting it back on yeah, and then yeah. he starts. But I tell, actually, I'll tell you what I did do. A great example. Oh God, I'm going to have a hot sweat thinking about this. <laughs> yeah, that if there's a, you're going to a premiere tonight, right? You're yep. going to the Luther premiere. If you do a, 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 um, a royal premiere, often there is a red carpet yep. and, well, most premieres there's a red carpet and there'll be someone hosting the red carpet, interviewing yes. um, the guests as they're turning up. And inside... The people that are there already are watching what's happening on the red carpet because it tends to take quite a long time. I did a royal premiere for a film and um, I'd hosted the red carpet. And then what I was going to do while um, the member of royalty, the member of the royal family went around meeting the cast, I was going to narrate what was happening for the people in <laughs> the auditorium who were waiting. Now, this particular film uh, had a quite a big cast and the information I had about the people that the member of the royal family, I think it was Prince Charles at the time, now the king, uh, was going to meet was very sparse. There was certainly more people than information I had. Yeah. And this went on for a really long time and I didn't have anything to say. And I was having to commentate on Prince Charles. This Prince Charles is now meeting uh, Troy Deeney. Troy Deeney plays Captain Jack Sparrow in or whatever it was, yeah, yeah. you know, and that, that sort of thing. There was none of it. And I'll oh. never forget just getting hotter and hotter because the lead actor 
was taking him around to every, and then literally introducing the then Prince Charles to every single member of the cast and then every single member of every member's cast family as oh, well. They were wow. there. And my heart was going, <laughs> I was sweating because this went on for a real, and I was very conscious that mm -hmm. in the auditorium, there was nothing happening at this stage. And my job was to fill that space. Yeah, fill that gap. And in the end, it, eventually they put me out of my misery and, and we they sort of, they finished and they went in. And I just, I promised myself at that point that I would never be in that position again mm -hmm. where I had relied very heavily on, on the production team. To be fair to the production team, they weren't expecting Prince Charles to meet and then Prince Charles to meet every single member of the family of every single crew member yeah, that happened yeah. to be there. But it was one of those moments where you kind of go, right, preparation is so vital. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do something live, yeah. then the preparation for that is absolutely vital because you don't want that to be. Because that's course. painful. If you watch something going wrong on telly and it's live, it's yeah. really difficult to watch. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. You don't want to be in that position. And, and I think that is, certainly informs a lot of what I do now. So mm -hmm. hopefully... I'm not in a scenario where that can happen. Don't it again. Touch wood. Yeah. <laughs> Would you ever go on like, I'm a celebrity or SAS? I've talked here lots. Of, yeah. So I wouldn't have gone on I'm a celebrity for many years, but then Kate went on, Kate and Gary went on and just looked like she had the most amazing time yeah. and loved it. And that's the only time I thought, God, quite fancy three weeks in the jungle. It was sunny. She had a yeah. really great time yeah. in there. Um, I, I think I'd be a really rubbish guest contestant on i'm a celebrity because i love stupid challenges yeah i wouldn't i don't mind being really high and being flung all over the show yeah. jumped out of airplanes i probably wouldn't struggle that much with the eating yeah. stuff so you want you want someone who's really yeah, struggling some, they're yeah, the like people you can really enjoy Matt hancock on there was doing everything well and he's just like just get putting up for it and watching them squeal dean, dean gaffney was still my favorite will always yeah, be my dean. favorite when dean went in um i'm I, as for sas i'd love to do the challenges I just, I spend quite a lot of my time working in telly. So the idea of doing more telly in my spare yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I love the idea of doing the, the SAS training though, because as somebody who takes my physical yeah, sort of part of my taking life really seriously. Way out your comfort yeah. zone. I think I'd struggle with the interrogation part yeah. though. That's why I asked about the SAS because you, you like the gym and yeah. physical things. I thought physical might stuff, put you in there. The mental stuff, you know, when you've got, a, when they put those, those masks on and they put their headphones yeah. on and mm -hmm. you, I'm not sure I, my, my mind would be left to race then. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just a question, actually, on, on your jib. How has your jib changed over the years? It, so, well, I grew up playing a lot of football and a lot of rugby. Mm -hmm. I played rugby to quite a high standard. I said rugby was very, very good at, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I played rugby to a higher standard than I did football, but I was never really big enough to mm -hmm. be able to play professionally, much as I'd have loved to. Um, and so it was lots of football, lots of rugby, and then a lot of athletics. Wasn't very good at cricket. Didn't have the patience for cricket. Yeah. Um, but anything, literally, you could have said to me anything. Let's have a game of badminton. Let's have a game of squash. Let's yeah. have a game of tennis. Let's have a and I would say, yep, 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 anything. Uh, and started doing a lot of strength and conditioning as I was getting older. Um, got into that when we started filming Ninja Warrior, and I started seeing these guys come on, and they're doing calisthenics, yeah. which is really functional body weight training my gym changed significantly because I wanted to be able to do what they were doing, muscle ups and, yeah, yeah. and uh, handstands and planches. And I can't do any of them, obviously, but <laughs> but in terms of what I was trying to do and how I was trying yeah. to do it. And then I started getting old and having injuries. So I've got really bad. I've done a lot of marathons oh. over the years and I've knackered my back from doing the marathons. I've got very problems with my discs. Okay. Did my ACL last two years ago, ACL, knackered that playing football. So I'm very conscious that I need to be doing a lot more functional mm -hmm. yoga, Pilates style. Yeah. 
I like you doing all that sort I'm of stuff. A, I'm a big lover of Pilates. I think it's I think it's brilliant. You've got to be disciplined to do it, but mm -hmm. the difference it makes. So my my the physical side of what I do has changed much more to understand mm. the functionality of life now. I think people don't understand how difficult yoga and Pilates oh, is. Oh, no. Mate, totally. I can just about put my socks on. There's no way I'm getting into a downward dog. Like, it's not going to happen. I'm telling you. Well, you've got to be it's careful not... as well because you start doing some of those yoga poses. Yeah. It can expel wind totally <laughs> unexpectedly. I put YouTube on and done the beginner's one. Yeah. I was blowing. Yes. Like the sweats, the stretching. Yeah. It's, it's and you difficult. feel really cumbersome and useless, don't you? Yeah. yeah. I think the thing is you can, it gets better, mm -hmm. but you've got to be willing to go through sort of feeling well, you tried, um, hot yoga. Yoga. I've not tried hot yoga, no. I recommend it. Is it good, is it? Very difficult because obviously the heat and the yeah. pressures, but, and also when you have a drink, it's like hot water is quite mm. hard to do, but come out of that, you will feel a million dollars. That's interesting. Yeah. There's one man in the corner. I've been taught, a friend's been trying to persuade me to go for quite a while. Mm -hmm. My wife took me to years ago before we had the kids. We lived in North London in quite a cool area of North London. She took me to this really fancy yoga place and it was downstairs in this basement. It was called a yoga base or something. Mm -hmm whatever and there was the very cool people in there <laughs> i'd not really done yoga before and i had the experience of doing whatever the yoga was yoga was and and expelling some wind w without realizing and sort of going oh my god and, and she looked she was so angry at me and she looked at me and then we were sitting down and, and everybody turned around because they'd heard someone fart and everyone turned around so i just immediately turned around and there's a woman sat behind me and she was sat against the wall so she had no one to look at <laughs> and, up being everyone, her. and i was just shaking my head that's so my wife honestly i remember walking out she was so angry how dare you do that you've never taken you that was that was about as far as my yoga got me get on the windies before you go yeah oh. exactly <laughs> what's uh you've, you've just written a book recently yeah what what was the well, it's obviously, it's, 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 it's other people's stories, mm. isn't it? What I think this is going to be a two-part question. Why are you so caring in your, what other people's stories and using your platform to promote other people? And then also, what got you into being in the Pride of Britain and, and, and all of those uh, charities and organisations that you're part of? Is that is it always just been you or has something happened in your life to... I think, well, so... Um, the book's been the most amazing experience mm -hmm. and the book came about as a response to COVID really. Okay. And I was working during COVID. So mm -hmm. when everything shut down, we carried on broadcasting, which was an incredibly privileged position to be in because we had to share yeah. what was a very scary, bleak landscape of news to everybody. And no one had been through an experience mm -hmm. like that. Huge responsibility and a privilege, but quite um, scary, uh, as I say, and worrying for everybody. And we were sharing a lot of bad news or a lot of things mm. that we didn't really know yep. what the consequences of what that was going to be. And in that period, I found myself being drawn online to more and more uh, viral videos that were funny, that were amusing, that were distracting, that were full of hope yeah. uh, and full of positivity. I was being drawn to those and I started sharing them and the response I was getting from sharing them was huge, really, really huge. And it started to get me thinking that actually, wouldn't it be great to do a project whereby I started looking for followers of mine mm. on social media that were doing some of these great things that we can share and we can shine a little bit of light on them. And that's where the idea of Humble Heroes came about. Oh. So we put out this, this call for to nominate your friends or family that are doing things in their community just to make a difference, no matter how big, no matter how small. 
because the nature of the people that are doing these things is they're not interested in any sort of recognition. They're just yeah. doing it because they want to make a difference. We were inundated with amazing projects, foot girls, football teams, boxing projects, a guy down in Wiltshire who was building bird boxes uh, for birds of prey, uh, a woman who had set up a, a food exchange scheme with the local villages near her where you could come and you could you could take some food that was on the table if you exchanged it with something that you had too much of. So it was a real fantastic oh, okay, exchange yeah. scheme. Yeah amazing things like it was so exciting to sort of and i would surprise these people on a zoom and and then just chat to them about what they were doing and it was really a way of me just saying thank you and then sharing their story on social media and the book came about off the back of that which was it's just a bigger platform to be yeah, able to yeah. share these extraordinary stories and i think you asked me what sort of i think as a consequence of of having a public profile there's an opportunity and the thing that I've really enjoyed is being able to lend my profile to things that I've become passionate about or people I've yeah. met that have inspired me. So I was in Birmingham, as you say, on Saturday at the Help Harry Help Others Ball. Mm -hmm. Harry Mosley was a young lad from Sheldon yeah. in, in, West, in the West Midlands who sadly um, died because of a brain tumor. He had an inoperable brain tumor. And I met Harry when he was about nine years old. I was hosting a dinner for Sevi Ballesteros, who had a brain oh, yeah. tumour, of course, you'll remember. And Harry, at nine, was doing the keynote speech to front of a thousand people full of professional rugby players, professional footballers, professional golfers in London. And he was doing a speech about his brain tumour mm -hmm. and why it was important they got involved. Just the most extraordinary child, this boy. Changed my life. Absolutely mm -hmm. changed my life. Wonderful little boy that was, again, was all about helping other people. Yeah. It was never about him and his brain tumour. The reason he set up his charity, Help Harry Help Others, was to help his friend Robert, who was director of a company, like, you know, 60 odd years old and Harry was nine or 10. They're both going through treatment together and he wanted Robert to feel better. <laughs> so he set up this charity where he was making these plastic yeah, bracelets. Yeah. They're big Birmingham yeah, City yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and suddenly I, I met them and then Harry was amazing. I'll never forget it. And we had this brilliant night with this amazing nine-year-old boy that was old and wise beyond his years, but still only a nine-year-old kid, really cheeky to his mum and to me. <laughs> and he left me a note the next day. I was doing GMTV at the time. And he left me a note saying, hi, Ben, here's my mum's phone number. Please stay in touch. P.S. Save some of the girls for me. <laughs> and I've still got the note. Yeah. I mean, that was his, he had this amazing sense of humour. Anyway, I realised that in that at that time that, Georgie, his mum and Harry asked me if I would get involved when he launched Help Harry Help Others. And I'm, he was such an incredible person. Being able to lend a bit of support, yeah. no matter how big or small that is, is something I'm hugely gratified to be able to do. It means so much to be, be able to share that. And it's built from that, really, mm -hmm. Troy. I think it's the CF Trust I work with. I do a lot of stuff with the Royal British Legion yeah. um, because I've got friends that have been in the armed services. I've got and I've met so many people that have come in mm -hmm. to Good Morning Britain whose family have been, extended families have been helped by the British Legion. I see the work that they do. And I, you know, it's it's. I, I've, I think it's a huge privilege to be able to mm -hmm. lend some support to to offer some of the skills that I have to some of those charities to mm -hmm. try and help share their story you, you don't have to though that's 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 what i'm probably trying to get no. you don't have to it could be very easy with your they say with your profile to protect your it in a way well. like yeah that's yeah, yeah you're right yeah. i don't have to and there's and i and i would love to be able to do more i don't have enough time to mm -hmm. do as much as i would like to do um i'm very very choosy because if i'm going to commit to a charity then i want to be able to give them as much as they need from me mm -hmm. um 
there's there's no onus on me to do it, but I need it personally. I think yeah. maybe this comes from my mum. My mum was a nurse. Okay. Um, and her family, her mum was a nurse and a midwife before her. And I think there is sort of uh, that innate need in in my in that side of my family to look after people. Mm -hmm. You know, there's undoubtedly there is there's that running through them. And I think I get an awful lot from it when mm -hmm. I can see that the event we did on Saturday night, which yeah. was just incredible for Help Harry Help Others. And I think, you know, it's the 10th anniversary of this charity, yeah. this little boy set up. And over the years they have, well, he raised before he sadly died over 750,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. You know, since then they have managed to donate and raise and give out over three million pounds in donations. I think we raised tens of thousands, or no, we raised tens of thousands on Saturday night. And I had a small part to play in that, which mm -hmm. was, you know, I th that is more valuable to me than than many of the other things that I get to do because mm -hmm. I know it's genuinely going to make a difference. That money will yeah. genuinely, gen genuinely help mm -hmm. families who are going through. You and know. it'll go to the source. And yeah, you know, you know yeah exactly. The, exactly. The families that are going through the most imaginable pain because one of them, that one of them will be struggling with cancer. Yeah, such a good trait to have as a human. Mm -hmm. yeah. I got, I got another question for you. What does Ben Shepherd still want to accomplish in his life? Oh. So professionally, Whichever I don't know. Well, go. I've got a production company. We make yeah. a number of shows. So we're about to make a show for with Alan Carr for BBC. We make Lingo. Oh, um, I didn't know you did Lingo. I like that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm an exec producer of Lingo. We reformatted Lingo and we make Lingo for ITV um, and various other bits and pieces. I'd love to do more of that. Yeah. I really enjoy the production side of things. I really enjoy being able to use the experience that I've had yeah. uh, to try and create ideas. The world of television, the world of media is, is absolutely fascinating yeah. uh, to me and really stimulating. Um, so I'd love, I'd love to be able to do that. I think um, I really have. I went travelling when I was nineteen on my year off, and I think I've, there's a lot more of the world that I'd love to see. Mm -hmm. um, to go Anywhere in particular, like bucket list, like this is South the America. I've never done South America. Mm -hmm. I'd love to go and experience a bit of South America. I'd go back yeah. to Asia as well. Yeah. Um, I think sort of there's 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 so much that I want to see and understand mm -hmm. and learn um, about the world. And, and to be able to share that with my wife, Annie, would be yeah. fantastic. Um, and I really, 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 really want to get down to single figures. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I, I, really. Well, what, what level of single figures? Because well, if you get to nine, you know you're going to want to get to eight. And if I, got, if I got to eight, I'd want to get to five. If I got to five, I'd want to get to one. If I got to one, I'd want... I mean, that's <laughs> the problem with golf. It's, yeah. it's never enough, is it? Yeah, no. that is true. Do you know what I mean? It's never the only person I know that's managed to cut really quickly is, is John Terry. Since he's retired, he's just all in on place, place, place. I see. Yeah. yeah, I think he's off plus one now. Is he? Yeah, he's zero or plus one. He's right. He's right the way down there. Man, and that's just imagine that. Yeah, we'll just imagine having that time. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be nice. <laughs> but no, that's great. So we are actually just one more thing. Actually, we talked about friendships earlier. Ours is twenty years. Yeah, you and Cabby has become not just a friendship, but like. You're like a iconic duo. That's that's the word I was talking about. Oh, like really the, like the Torval and Dean yeah. of, the, of the presenting world. I tell you what, we say. do look like we're on ice half the time. That's yeah. true. <laughs> well, yeah, you've, you've become synonymous with. I, I think not just with sport, just with. If I see Cabby, I see Ben. If I see Ben, I see Cabby. So, how how did that relationship start? Was that solely through Sky Sports? Through work, yeah, yeah. I was. I um. I was. I went to Sky in 2010 to go mm. and do. Do some football, so that was a little bit like you're talking about reinventing yourself. That was part of the journey. I think in the back of my mind, 
I knew I loved sport mm -hmm. and would the opportunity to do some sport ever occur. I very nearly went to ESPN to do their rugby at the time. Oh, wow. But um but Sky said, Oh, do you fancy coming and doing some football for us? Mm -hmm. So I went to Sky and one of the programs they wanted me to do was Goals on Sunday with Cammy. And I Obviously, I knew who Cammy was. I'd actually met him that summer for the first time at the World Cup in South Africa. We were sitting oh, wow. next to each other, that England-USA uh, game, which was so average. Uh, <laughs> but we had a really good laugh. Yeah. That World Cup wasn't great, was it, for England? No. But uh, I started working with him then, and it's just been a joy and a laugh and a giggle mm -hmm. and hysterical and ridiculous ever since. <laughs> the scrapes he's got me into the opportunities we've had, doing Ninja Warriors being amazing, yeah. and then being able to come and do the Cammy and Ben's proper football podcast. Mm -hmm. It's like the best bits of goals on Sunday, but yeah. in a really relaxed atmosphere, getting people like yourselves back on just to share their stories on that podcast platform. I, I've i learned so much from him, mm -hmm. not just from his experience of, of football and stuff, but you know about life and yeah. about grasping opportunities about being positive about laughing mm -hmm. and about just sharing joy um i you know i missed him enormously when we weren't doing goals on sunday because i yeah. left a little bit before he left sky so being back together you know it does feel i mean it does feel like i'm his carer half the time <laughs> do you know what i mean but i wouldn't have it any other way yeah. i yeah. just adore him i think you when you're around cabby you just you can't help but smile so he's infectious isn't yeah. he yeah he's, he's wonderful to yeah, be around magic so we have come to our final five questions. Right, okay. This is the, the oh, big one. Socrates oh, go on. Sorry. Yeah, Socrates. Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah Socrates. Sorry. So, Socrates, you what? Seven times? Seven times player? Seven times, yeah. Only sending off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's, yeah. what's the process of getting into Socrates? Like, oh, how man. do you become a player? Training? Do you know? Um, the schedules? Okay, so, so, well, when it started, it was much harder than it is now. Yeah. Because when it started... 2005, West Ham got to the final of the FA Cup mm -hmm. against Liverpool and they wouldn't let me go because we were training Soccer Aid. And the choice was, if you go to watch the FA Cup final, Ben, you can't be in Soccer Aid. Oh, wow. What did you choose? I chose to do Soccer Aid. Ooh. Well, we lost as well, didn't yeah. we? So, you know, when my mates were stuck in Cardiff <laughs> yeah, yeah. and we'd gone down, Stephen Gerrard suddenly played, had you had scored a couple of world-class goals. Yeah, it's not bad, him, is he? Yeah, he's got a little bit. Ama yeah. Amazing. <laughs> But but so soccer aid so the first we we trained for about six or seven days first time round and then they realised that we were all going to be injured by the time it came to yeah. the final mm -hmm. day so now it's three or four days you do some training uh, you everyone gets together early in the week stay together in London usually there's training light training a couple yeah. of days and then you all head up to Manchester if it's in Manchester sometimes we've done some in Chelsea we've done Wembley as well mm -hmm. uh, and you head up on the Saturday and then the big games on the Sunday it's the most i mean you know it's choice life it's the most boys own fantasy yeah. and girls as well to to have the opportunity to play alongside internationally renowned footballers mm -hmm. globally yeah. renowned footballers to come out of the stadium 70 or thousand at old trafford you know sold out at chelsea at wembley there was 50 odd thousand i think so mo gilligan a friend of mine yeah uh i seen him on a podcast recently he was saying he didn't respect or appreciate how big a football pitch was until he actually got yes. on there. How was that for you? Enormous, terrifying, <laughs> absolutely terrifying. I thought I'd played on full-size pitches. I think, so we, I never forget the first game. Firstly, Maradona was the year that Maradona was playing. Mm -hmm. Tony Adams played for us. Um, David Seaman, obviously, Jamie, Redknapp, Shearer and Sheringham up front. Yeah. You know, Graham so played. Um, 
you never seen Graham Rousseau run so fast when he tried to get Maradona's shirt at the end. He didn't run that fast during <laughs> the game. And it, but it was the most, and you couldn't hear each other on the pitch. Yeah. You can't hear, when everyone's going for it, it was insane. Like the sound, mm -hmm. the intensity. So you're running around thinking, right, we're doing all right here. You look up, three minutes have gone and you're absolutely <laughs> blowing. It's the most visceral experience because mm -hmm. everything's heightened. Like I've never been afraid of making a fool of myself anywhere and, and on a football pitch because I want to enjoy it. So I've yeah. always been happy to run around. I'm not, my football, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a rugby player who loves football. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I run around, I bust around, I bump into people. I'm not particularly cohesive. I don't mean to hurt people when I tackle them. It just tends to happen because I'm just, I mean, that's all I've got is yeah. speed and aggression. Yeah. I've got no touch and I've got no skill. <laughs> oh, your left um, foot's not bad. Oh, I was about to say, your left is all right. Give yourself a I don't know, yeah. but it was the most fabulous experience. For the seven that I did, it really, really was. And, you know, we were talking on our podcast about mm. penalties. I've taken penalties in three or four of them. And that is an experience that... How do you oh, find that? Terrifying. Properly properly <laughs> ass droppingly terrified <laughs> like We'd, what's worse standing on the first tee with four people around you or taking the penalty taking the penalty <laughs> every single time because i know I, i've 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 topped so many tee shots like first yeah. tee if there's people watching it's never nice yeah or i've lost it right whatever haven't taken that many penalties on television yes. in front of a full stand of people yeah with your family in the crowd. The last one was at Chelsea. And all I could think was my boys were growing up by this point and they were there. And all I could think about was the boys in the stand. I don't want to miss this. Did you, did the goals get smaller? Oh my day, the goal's, <laughs> the goal's tiny, the ball's tiny. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember which foot I kick with. Uh, That's a, that happens to pros yeah. as well. Oh I know that as well. Like, you know, you do it. Again, I've took it, taken enough that I'm like, okay. I get it. Well, I know some people that they say when it come, they feel like the goals, the keeper just looks so big. Yeah. yeah. Like not, could... How do you get past the goalkeeper? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Obviously, I, you know, I didn't, I've never missed one. Obviously. Oh, drop that one in. <laughs> yeah. You've heard that. You've heard yeah. that. Get that in. I tell you, it is, it still is. And I kind of, you'd think, I think I'd done taking three. Mm -hmm. And you think by the time you're taking third one, you're like, because I remember we did the one year and Freddie Flintoff was playing mm -hmm. and it went to penalties and Freddie took one and he just looked so nonplussed. He was so not bothered about it. And that we were on the coach afterwards. He said, oh, you know, if I miss, I'm a cricketer really or whatever. And he'd yeah. taken one. They'd done League of Their Own in, in oh, Milan okay. and he'd taken yeah. one in Milan the week before, whatever. I could never get part. I think it's my competitiveness is I really want to score this. Yeah. So I really want this to go in. How do you, and yeah, fortunately I've been all right and I've got through it all, but, and my heart goes out to everybody that misses them. I don't want anyone to miss them. I just <laughs> yeah. want them to keep going. Remind us who you got sent off against. Who was your tackle on? Uh, so the first tackle was Edgar Davids. Yeah. Uh, and that wasn't... You, you picked one of the hardest people. Yeah. yeah he's a yeah. tough midfielder, isn't he? That, yeah. wasn't a, what a name. that wasn't a good Some... idea. <laughs> uh, the second one was Dimitar Berbatov. Uh, who, who? Uh, to be fair, to it's he, a great it, CV though. That, oh, yeah. Davids, yeah. And, Davids and Berbatov. <laughs> the Edgar Davids tackle was was not pretty. Dimitar Berbatov just nicked the ball in front of me, and I think he caught my toe. Yeah, and he apologized. He apologized. He was he felt sorry for me because he yeah. Can't think. His touches are great, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. It was uh, compared to mine, and it, it was um, yeah. They both ex Spurs players. As a West Ham fan, my mates were thrilled. Yeah, oh, you got you got a free beer that night, <laughs> yeah, didn't you? Did. So does that mean you done it on purpose then? No, I said, <laughs> oh, you know, I'm not that I'm not that it. clever. I'm not that clever. <laughs> it was John Moss that sent me off, and my son, my eldest son, I can't remember how old he was at the time, and he was quite upset. 
but John Moss gave me the red card and signed it. Oh, so I was nice. able to give it to my son. So he went to school the next day and all his mates, and he sent all his mates off in the playground with him. <laughs> so he brilliant. was happy in the end. Fair play to John as well, because I don't really like John. Yeah. No, I, no I didn't after that either. Who's the best player that he played with and against? So Zidane was amazing. Zidane didn't look like he was running, he just floated. Yeah. Figo was fantastic. Um, big West Ham fan, got to play against Paolo Di Canio, which was yeah. a dream, an yeah. absolute dream. And he was incredible. What a character. Amazing. Look, Zola, he's a really nice guy. Hullet, Larson. Stam, you know, all of those guys, without doubt, the best player, but he was still playing, was Clarence Seydorf. Oh, Clarence. Clarence Seydorf was... He could still play today. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how much time he had. He was everywhere as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, Edgar Davids ran around a lot, but Seydorf just was sublime absolutely sublime you may have the biggest thighs of oh ever my seen. days oh yeah <laughs> in fact we used to have to think roberto carlos played yeah. one year we used to have this thing about roberto carlos's thighs so i i insisted on roberto carlos and me having a thigh picture <laughs> that's how sad it is no, uh, by the way if i ever it's got to do that, you know that is, like really? the names you've just reeled off i don't think i could play yeah i'd, I'd just be asking for how autographs. do you not be a fanboy in that in that moment it, yeah. it's, it's so, so the thing is and i'm sure this is both of you've played once the whistle goes, for me, you just want to play football. You want to have yeah, a really good yeah. laugh. But playing alongside Teddy and playing alongside Alan Shearer together or playing yeah. alongside Jamie Redknapp, I was always a massive fan of Jamie's mm. and, and um, Martin Keown or Graham yeah, yeah. So. Um, Nicky Butt played the one year. It was fantastic. Dave Seaman is always mm -hmm. incredible. So the, the England Biggest boys, hand I've ever seen, oh, Dave Seaman. I've yeah. got decent size hands, but wow. Oh, he's, still got, he's still got lobbed by Serge from Kasabian, though, one year. Yeah, he can't. <laughs> Can't live like that. I'm Ronaldinho no. in yeah. the World Cup. Oh. <laughs> Played against him. In fact, there's this amazing clip, viral clip, that some of your listeners may have seen of Ronaldinho's best nutmegs. Like it's him nutmegging people in World Cups, him yeah, nutmegging yeah. people in the Champions League, him nutmegging people in whatever league he's playing in. And then there's him nutmegging me in Soccer <laughs> 8. <laughs> Take it. You, you can Take have that it. to your show, right? So I'm very conscious of time. So we will end this with five quick questions. Okay. These are, these are all specifically for, for Ben. What are three things that stress Ben Shepherd out? Three things that stress me out. Um, <laughs> bad roundabout etiquette. Yeah. Really annoys me when people turn up a roundabout and they don't know what they're doing. If they take too long, it's like, just get on with it. <laughs> Got places to go. People that are looking for traffic. People that are. Oh. Uh, uh, mess. I'm not great with mess. I've got okay. two teenage boys. Things go in the dishwasher, not on top of the dishwasher. Yeah. Oh, that really stresses me. I haven't worked that out yet. Oh, we would not get on, Mark. It's a good thing we don't live together. I'll have you whipped into shape in no time. I need it. Uh, things that give me stress. My wife has this ridiculous alarm clock. Yeah. That is a light, so it slowly gets brighter. Oh yeah, I've seen oh, that. Oh wow, well, right? yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's supposed to ease you into yeah. the morning. It's supposed to wake you up better, isn't it? Oh my, it just drives me mad. <laughs> like if it's an alarm, you can turn it off. This just slowly yeah. over the course of 10, 15 minutes. Turn the lights <laughs> off and get out of bed. That light, if that if that light makes it to the end of the year, and has me thrown out of the bedroom window. I'll be amazed. There's three things. They're three they're great things. They're as great well. things. I like that. That's right up your street yeah, as I love well, isn't it? Like that. A day at football. Or a day at the rugby? Oh, man. That's tough. So if it was rugby, I'd be going to England at Twickenham. And yep. I do love, so it's an international, which is great. And the, going, the football would be going with my old schoolmates to West Ham, uh, to London Stadium. Um, Let's pick two games. England, Ireland. Yeah. Or Chelsea, 
West, West Ham, Ham Chelsea. Fine. That's both finals. Oh, and, they're on the, and they're on the same day. Upton, Upton Park. Park. Not the London. Well, I'd have to go to Upton Park. <laughs> I'd have to go to Upton Park for that. Although you know, we don't have a great record against Chelsea, to be fair. Although, actually, the last couple of seasons we've mm. not been too bad. But you bad. can keep this team now, but at Upton Park. At Upton Park as well. Declan Rice doing what he does. I, 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 it, West Ham. Yeah. I think I'd yeah. want to go West Ham. Um, because it's just, I, I love going to Twickenham. It's such mm. an amazing experience. I love following the rugby and I follow the Premiership as well. But there's something much more personal, you know, I've, uh, the, about being at West Ham, mm -hmm. London yeah. Stadium. You know, being there, being around my mates. There's just you settle back into the old ways. I'm sure you yeah, do yeah. when you go with your yeah. mates. You know, the stupid jokes, all the same <laughs> stuff over and over again. Yeah. But you wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. What's the last series you've watched? Doesn't have to be on Netflix. Could be anywhere. Uh, the last series. Gosh, I'm a bit of a seriesaholic. Uh, so I've just started watching Shrinking on Apple TV, which is Harrison Ford. It's about a load of psychotherapists oh, wow. who are struggling with their patients, uh, which is very, very funny. I really um, loved, I really, really loved The Offer, which is the make, it's a dramatization of the making of The Godfather, oh, okay. which is on Paramount. Like we all know The Godfather now because we've seen the films, we yeah. know what a huge thing it was. But when the book was originally written by Mario Puzo, Maripuzo, I think it was, yeah. And then uh, Paramount or whoever the film studio that got the rights to it, the story about how they made that film and what they went through is like another novel in itself. It's oh, incredible. Okay. Um, I could go on. I love uh, Yellowstone. I haven't watched that. I've heard, I've heard yeah, great yeah. things Once about Once you start, this. and then there's the precursors as well they've made yeah. as well. I was watching one last night. <laughs> so I, I love all that. Met... Uh, um, oh, I, I can start. Oh, there's, there's loads. There's loads. Shrinking is the one that I will, I will do now. Yeah. If That's... you could listen to one artist or band for the rest of your life, who would it be? For so my kids would laugh and they would say it'd have to be the Stereo MCs because whenever I'm with my schoolmates, we just put Stereo MCs album on. But I think if it was one artist that I had to listen to forever, it would be Jamie Cullum. Uh, he's a jazz pianist and and yeah. you know reinvented a lot of the great songs uh, mm -hmm. from a jazz perspective um you know but he when he started doing his stuff he was doing things like radiohead and 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 stuff that you hadn't heard before and i just he's really his our first dance me and the wife mm. me and my wife's first dance was what a difference a day make but his version of it oh well. and so it's really poignant for us yeah. and i just love listening to him he's an amazing singer because um my uncle i'm um, actually in my family there's a lot of like trumpet players drum players that? saxophones so like jazz is one i have to be in the mood to listen to yeah jazz. i'm mm. not it's not a it's not a go-to if i'm being totally honest with you oh but, but if but you when find, you're in the mood yeah it's, it's you, i just find an artist and, and i just i love jamie's voice mm -hmm. he's a pianist and his voice is just just amazing and and i've sort of interviewed him over the years from when he first got his first contract he was doing loads of weddings Okay. And then he gets his record contract, and now he does sell out gigs in front of fifty thousand people and goes on world tours and stuff. Yeah. So he's he's that's good. And this is an additional one, a bonus question. Oh. What's your favourite holiday destination? My favourite holiday destination is probably the southwest of the UK. Now, I, I, whether it's Cornwall or Devon, okay, I'm not sure. I can. I'm just going to go the southwest of the UK. I've got family in in Cornwall, I've got family in Devon, I got married okay. in Devon, but I I love playing golf in, in both of them. But I, th the re I think the reason I love it is because I love Great Britain. Okay. And I think if you've got the weather and you can go somewhere in the UK mm -hmm. where there's amazing beaches yeah. and loads going Agreed. on. Um, G 
genuinely I'd rather go there than get on an aeroplane and fly somewhere else. Yeah. Um, because I just love being there. No, I, I agree. When, when you get good weather in the UK, there's not it's many priceless. better places. Absolutely priceless. So Ben, thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. We know you're a busy man. So thank you. Everybody, you know what to do. Press the like button, subscribe, all that fun stuff. But we have a legend. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Troy. Thank Thanks, you. Mark. Great to thank have you. Uh, chat to you both today. Yeah. Nice Still one. reeling from the fact you said I'm going to be 50. So. <laughs> <laughs>